Good evening, everybody, and welcome to episode 159 of the Ask the Coach Show, where Ping Skills helps you improve your table tennis. A big thanks to my friend Matt Luff, who pointed out that 159 is the lowest score in darts with no available checkout. Today, we're going to talk about the results from the Pyongyang World Tour event. In the questions, we'll talk about putting more backspin on the ball, the English cricket team destroying the Aussies, footwork for a short ball, blocking and learning to loop. I'm Jeff Plum, and as always, Supercoach Alois Rosario is here with me to answer your questions. Welcome, Alois. Thank you, Jeff, and it's good to be back. Gee, it feels like forever that we've been on this show. We haven't haven't been on this show, Jeff. What's going yep. on? Oh, it has been a while, hasn't it? Um, you know, you've been busy away coaching, um, but we're back and we've got a big show lined up, so I'm pretty excited. Indeed, yes. So I've been in um, in Thailand um, at the uh, Thailand Para Open. Fantastic event again. Um, this time it was a four, factor 40, which means it's a, um, a higher rated tournament. So, um, yeah, so really good fields. And the Aussies did well, which was great. Yeah, excellent. Good to hear. Go Aussies. Um, now, Alois, yesterday I went to a cube comp. I got a PB in my competition at 31.15 seconds solve, uh, which is really good. I was happy with that, but my average was a little down. My other solve's not so good. So mixed results. But the 31.15 is pretty impressive, Jeff, even if I, uh, if I have to say it. 31.15. It puts me in the top 25,000 uh, solvers in the world. That is a good ranking. You'd be happy with that, wouldn't you? <laughs> Not yet. Got to get better, you know. Top 25,000 still. I'm going to work on it. <laughs> and now, Alois, the, um, you know, a while back you posted, even when we didn't have a show, at this day on history on our Facebook page because, you know, people were so into it. But, you know, in response, Matt Luff pointed out this great number fact about the darts you know, 159, the lowest number with no available checkout. That is an interesting stat. Do you have anything for us on this day in history today? Well, let me go back to that post. So on that post, uh, yeah, I did also mention that uh, on that day that the Ford, uh, the, Ford, the, Ford, the Ford Motor Company sold its first ever car um, and uh, a guy in Missouri, Missouri, Charles Menchez, invented the ice cream cone and Australian swimmer Dawn Fraser became the first woman to swim, swim 100 metres in under a minute. Now, let's try back, to guess the... That was back in the 23rd of July, if I'm not mistaken. It was. That's correct. Now, Dawn Fraser, you should know that one, Jeff. When did she uh, um, swim 100 metres under a minute? I do, I do not know. Um, 1968? Oh, close. 1962. That's not bad. In the 60s, you had it. And what about the, the ice cream cone? This is an important one, right? When was the ice cream cone invented? 1850? 1904. That late? That late, indeed. And what about the Ford Imagine Motor Company? Imagine in the late 1800s and not having an ice cream cone. Yeah, I know, just having to use your hands, right? You have to use your hands and <laughs> eat your ice cream. Um, and what, what, what about the, the Ford Motor Company selling its first ever car? What year? 1908. 
1903. Well done, Jeff. 1903. There you go. So don't tell me this isn't exciting. Um, but from today, there's not really that much. Nothing. You got but, nothing. Well, well, well. well you just, it is. You just been falling down already. Well, Elisha Otis was born. And yes. Elisha Otis was the inventor of the automatic safety brake for elevators. Now, tell me that's not important. Sounds pretty important. Yeah, Elisha Otis, like, you know, without Elisha Otis, you wouldn't, you'd, like, you'd be crashing into the bottom of buildings and stuff. So thanks, Elisha. Big day, 1811 he was born. Good one. All right, um, that's a terrible segment. Um, yeah. Let's let's move let's on. Let's go on to some table tennis. Yeah, let's first talk about the Pyongyang Open, Alois. This is a, a world tour event in North Korea, of all places. Yeah, and it's great, isn't it? It's great to see, you know, the world tour is spreading its wings and uh, out to North Korea. Um, I know, you know, like it's a, it's, it's a brave sort of step, isn't it? You know, venturing out into a country like North Korea, but a successful event. And the last major event, which I do actually remember, was in 1973. The World Championships was held in Pyongyang. So a very, very long time ago. What's that? 42 years ago. Yeah, so, um, I was born. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, so good to see um, international table tennis back in North Korea. And the results, um, interesting results. So in the men's, I'll just... Uh, Pull them up here. So in the men's um, singles, two North Koreans made the final. Um, Park, uh, Park Sin-hyok and Cho Il, and Cho Il was the winner, 4-1. So looking looking at the field, um, not a big spread of countries. Basically, the whole uh, field was made up of North Koreans and Chinese, and I think there was one Vietnamese guy that uh, made the main draw. So but in the... In the um, yeah. I'm not sure how popular a destination North Korea still is. I mean, like, do the players really want to go there yet? Although I did see a special mention here to Wally Green from the USA who went over and I saw him in the men's qualification singles. Yes, he, he did indeed. So, yeah, which is, which is great. So, yeah, there were a few different countries represented in the, um, in, the, in the qualification rounds. But, yeah, main draw, Chinese, North Koreans and a Vietnamese. Um, and in the women's singles, um, two Chinese players played off um, in the final. And uh, again, mainly North Koreans and Chinese in the women's singles as well. Where when I say mainly, it was only North Korean and Chinese in the in the main draw. So the winner was uh, Sun Chen um, over her compatriot He Jua Jia. So um, yeah, four two victory there. And um, and as I said, I mean, not really the um, the you know who was winning and that sort of thing, but just great to see the event uh, going ahead in Pyongyang. And now that the the events happened, perhaps next year more um, more players and more countries will be sort of a little bit more comfortable with uh, with entering the event. Yes, and um, I guess the next big event is the China Open starting very soon. So um, everybody keep an eye out for that because that is going to be a big tournament. All right, Alois, let's go back to the last Ping Skillers question of the day, which, as we know and discussed, was quite a while away, a while ago. And the question yeah, was... Well, so, uh, 
Yeah, the question was, what was the biggest factor that made you start playing table tennis? Yeah, we had quite a lot of responses, especially on the Facebook page. So um, so David uh, said, my little brother got a table tennis set for his birthday, two bats, three balls, and after a few months, he saw them sitting there still in the box. So he thought, this could be the game for me, and, and he enjoyed it. So that's how he got into it. Um, and Kush said, um, it strikes me as a very addictive game. The moment I held the racket, I knew that this sport is going to be the sport of my lifetime. Plus, constant struggle to learn new shots, especially the backhand topspin. So, um, yeah. And then Ariza said, the first time I played was when I was in college. Um, that time, the biggest factor that made me start playing table tennis seriously was to beat my friends. And that's a common theme that came up. Uh, Mick War said, uh, I started playing because of dad. And Scott Houston started playing because of me. Um, a little bit of uh, banter between those two that's often on our Facebook page. Um, and um, George Christou said, unemployment, needed a hobby. Uh, Tim Barton go. said, good, good reason. The YMCA. And Tim, Tim Stevens said, heart attack had me playing racquetball for exercise. Then the owner of the company I work for bought a butterfly table um, for play at work. Eventually built an air-conditioned room around it. So he began playing on breaks and lunch and loved it. So, yeah, so a good, uh, good mixture of, um, of you know, reasons that, and, and motivations to start. Um, Dita said, in my youth, it was uh, the fact that my father brought a table into our house. I could beat my father at 11 and thus felt the thrill of victory. Um, and then later the table became a centrepiece in long nights with friends staying over in our house. Again, you know, it, I suppose it just shows the diversity of table tennis, you know, in the home, in the, in the, um, in the office, um, at schools, you can basically play it anywhere. And uh, uh, Ma Sin said, I have a 10-year-old sister who liked to play ping pong when I was very, very young. I think not even the game, but just the ability to juggle the ball for, was for me fascinating. So, yes. So, yeah, lots and lots of responses to that one, Jeffrey. Indeed, yes, and thank you for being part of the conversation. Um, so let's move on to the Ping Sealers question of the day, which is, is maths ability related to table tennis? Let us know your thoughts. Again, jump onto our Facebook page, facebook.com slash pingskills, or onto our blog, just go to pingskills.com, click on the blog link. Love to hear your thoughts. So, is maths ability related to table tennis? All right. Now, um, it has been a while. Alois, are you prepared here, ready to give some great words of wisdom to all of our questionees? Yep. Psyched and ready to go. I've been preparing all for a week. For a week, I've been preparing, doing my breathing. Awesome. All right. Well, let's go. First up, Mike D has asked us a question using the Google Q&A app which anyone can do, go to our Google Plus page and just click on the latest show, click on the Q&A button, ask us a question live on the show. Mike says, hi, guys, welcome back. Thanks, Mike. I try to vary speed and spin on my chops, good, during a rally, but at times I feel that heavy backspin would help me more in certain situations. So how do I put heavy backspin on the ball during a match? Yeah, so the key with the heavy backspin is to get that brushing contact and to really slide underneath the ball. So if you have a, flat, a flatter bat, so facing the net, it's hard to generate 
um, enough backspin on your push. So really think about laying that bat right back and brushing right underneath the ball um, to generate the heavy heavy backspin in the rally. And it's usually just easiest off a shorter ball. Uh, if if the serve comes shorter, that's the time that you can you can really get underneath the ball and, and put that heavy backspin on the ball, Mike. So, yeah, give that a go, especially early in the rally. Later in the rally, it becomes a bit more difficult. Yeah, and I guess, as you said, early in the rally, the serve's also uh, an important point where you can put heaps of spin on the ball. And... The really the principles, as you said, Alois, aren't they? Is like a fast brushing contact. So you've got to get the bat moving fast and just brush it finely. Um, now, when you do that and you do get a heavy backspin push in the rally, it, it is quite effective, isn't it? And it is hard for the your opponent to attack. Yeah, it can be really effective. Um, and and it, as Mike said, it's, it's also the variation. So it's the subtle changes between uh, less spin and more spin that is going to... Um, make it a little bit more difficult for your uh, opponent to to control the height of their return as well. So especially if they're trying to keep the ball really low, if you put a bit more backspin on it, then it's likely to, that they'll drag it into the net. Or then if you change back to a little bit less spin, then they might put that next ball up a little bit higher, you know, a little bit higher over the net, which allows you to come in and make the attack. Right, gotcha. All right, good advice. Thanks for the question, Mike. Next up, not too comfortable with this question at the moment, Alois, but anyway, here we go. This is from Nigel. He said, enjoy seeing England blitz the Australian cricket team here in the UK, and it made me wonder if some table tennis coaching could help them read the spin and direction better. Perhaps some mental preparation would help also. I might just have to get onto the Aussie cricket team and uh, and perhaps point them to a few videos. What do you think, uh, Jeffrey? I, yeah, they they really did struggle in the third test, didn't they? And first test was shocking. Third test was shocking. Second test was brilliant. I I can't read it. I don't know what's going on over there. Um, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not sure either. It was just yeah. After such a good second test at Lords. We just came out and played so badly. Our middle order is struggling. Uh, I don't know what we're going to do. Voges, is he going to be dropped? I mean, I don't like just making changes all the time, but we're just so inconsistent. He's not scoring runs. He's going to be under pressure. Clark's not going well. Our captain, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I know, but, I know. But, Nigel, we're, we're it's not about. over yet. We only need to, you know, win the last two and we'll still win the series. So watch out. The Aussies are going to make a comeback. Nigel, I can feel it. I'm feeling confident now after that little speech. Watch out, Nigel. Watch out. The Aussies are coming. All right, enough cricket. Let's get on to a question from Marson, who says, why is it so important for the right-hander when doing a forehand push or a flick as an answer to a short ball, to put the right foot forward underneath the table. Instead, if I go in with a left foot, it feels as I have more range as to where to place the ball. So why is this? Yeah, okay, good one, Martin. So um, when you when you are trying to get in short and close to the table, that's the main um, time that you need to think about that right foot coming forward. So it's when the ball is really close to the net. So if the ball's close to the net, if I reach in with my right uh, foot under, I can get a lot closer to the ball. If I try to go in with my left foot under, 
then my left side's getting in the way and it's harder for me to reach forward and get close to the ball that's close to the net. So that's the main reason, Marcin. So it's just to get yourself closer to the ball so that you control the, can control the ball a little bit better. If the ball's a little bit longer and you can play the ball from the position with your left foot in slightly or the left side turned in, then that's good because that's where you're going to be able to generate a bit more power and that's the natural swing um, of your body. But it's just when that ball is really close to the net, that's when you need to reach in by putting your right foot under, get your right side or your right shoulder closer um, to the net as well. So that's that's the main reason that we do that. Got it. Makes a lot of sense. All right. Hopefully that's helped you out, Marcin. Next up is a question from Siva, who says, during the match, my topspin is around 60 to 70% accurate, but when my opponent hits a topspin, mostly I'll miss the block. And even if I block, I will go outside or I'll go into the net. I try to focus on the ball all the time, but I still can't get the confidence. So do you have any tips for Siva? Yeah, so um, Siva, the, the block can be a really difficult stroke in in a match situation, you know, especially if the other person's got a strong topspin. So the main thing is um, what you're doing, firstly, make sure you're watching the ball. So as soon as you see that ball go long, you need to get yourself prepared to, to make the block. So get your bat up a little bit higher so that you can um, make, the, make the block stroke. Um, don't try and do too much. And... Often, often I see that the that players um, almost rush too much and think they've got less time. You've actually got a little bit more time than you think. As long as you stay calm and just watch the ball come to you or come to the bat. So, um, so that, I suppose that's the main two things. Watch the ball carefully and make sure you allow yourself to just relax and allow the ball to come to you. Then, we, then you've got the dynamics of the actual stroke. Um, and we covered that in our um, strokes and techniques um, section of the of the site, where we show you the backhand block and the forehand block. So probably the best thing is to go there and and look at um, that technique. But yeah, as as tips, think about just being a little bit calmer and allowing the ball to come to you and watching the ball better. Yeah, yeah, good advice there, Alois. And like I can relate to what you've said there. Um, because yeah, if someone's attacking you, you can feel kind of rushed. And yeah, if you do just relax and take a bit more time, you'll be able to play the shot better. But it, it, it's hard to do that unless you've kind of got confidence in your block. So it's a bit of a catch-22 situation. So I guess that's why it's important to you know practice the technique and then that'll also help you be a bit more confident and then a bit more relaxed when playing against that type of forehand attack. Yeah, and that, that's right. But let, let's take it back a step. I mean, blocking probably isn't um, where you want to be in the rally too. So let's think about how you're going to stop that situation from occurring. And that is by being able to make the first attack. And the, the way that you uh, gain the opportunity to make the first attack is by being able to serve short, by being able to push the ball short or low and um, with lots of spin. And that then creates opportunities for you to make the first attacking um, stroke. So, so that's also important to think about. Yeah, I like it. Then it's your opponent that has to worry about the block. Good thinking. All right, thanks for the question, Siva. 
All right, next up is David who says, I'm a beginner. I saw a few videos on the loop on YouTube, but when I try, the ball goes really far off the table. So do you have any tips or drills and how, on how I can practice that thin contact? Ah, yes. So um, that the, the thin contact is a really important part of being able to to make the loop or the or the topspin on the ball. Um, one interesting way that I've seen and uh, I've seen it work really well is what you do is you get get the ball and just sit it on the table and then just roll it off the table. So let it roll off the table. And as it rolls off the end of the table, try to brush the ball up and over the net. So so I've got a table here. Got the table there. Just roll the ball off the end of the table. And as it drops off the end of the table, then you're going to make that top spin stroke. So the only way you'll be able to lift it up is by getting that nice, thin uh, brushing contact. If you hit it too flat, the ball's going to go back into the end of the end of the table. Or you could, you know, like lift it up or blob it up, but you're not going to generate any spin. So, so really try to think about... Um, doing that to start off with. Another good um, technique that uh, we tried recently when we were in a camp in Adelaide, and we had a, a skills acquisition um, chap there that helped us out with this, um, is to put a stick or a string over the net, but put it really high over the net. So um, so in effect, you're, you know, you're increasing the height of the net by that much or, or just even more. And what, then what you've got to try and do is... Um, get the ball up over the net and then back down onto the table. And again, the only way you can do that is by putting top spin and generating nice thin contact. So there are two ways that um, could really help you to understand and get the feeling of that nice thin contact on the ball. Brilliant. All right. Hopefully that helps you out, David. Give those two methods a try, just rolling the ball off the table and spinning it up. Or, yeah, you know, putting in something higher and making the net higher. So you have to generate that spin. I like those ideas. Good one, Alice. And, um, and, and, yeah, it was interesting with that experiment. We What um, what uh, Ross, the skill acquisition guy, was, was talking about was going to the extreme straight away. So don't put the, the string that high over the net. Put it you know, really high over the net. So we had it like at around our head height um, and then just get uh, get experimenting and try to get that ball up and over um, the net and onto the table. So, yeah, give it a try. It worked really well um, when we tried it uh, with a couple of players, including a ping skiller over there in Adelaide, Amanda. Excellent. Very good. Well done, Amanda. All right. Sasha has asked us a question and Sasha asked, I want to get my side spin serve on my side spin more wide, something like Heechi Win. Can you give me that name again? How did I get that so bad, Alois? <laughs> Hertzi Wen. Hertzi Wen. I want to get my side spin more like Hertzi Wen. I've seen that video and whenever I try to serve it that wide, I hit the ball with the edge of my blade because I can't hit it on the side. What should my blade angle and swing be? All right. So if I'm trying to serve it to you there, okay, so nice and wide out to you there, 
So what you need to do is to just open that angle up a little bit. So make sure that the ball can see the bat there. Um, but don't have it too flat. If you have it too flat, it's not going to it's not going to swing wide. So you want to have it a little bit curved. But also think about starting the bat around behind you a bit and then coming out that way towards where you want the ball to go. So um, if you come in towards you, it's hard to get the, the ball swinging out wide. So start behind you and go out that way to get the ball out wide. It, it, takes, it takes a lot of practice because, again, it's just brushing the ball really finely and getting the good contact to make it go out that way. So, so if, you, if it's hitting the edge of your racket to start off with, that's all right. You know, it just means you're, you're pretty close. Instead of getting it there, you, you need to get it there. So you're, you're close to being perfect anyway. All right. Good advice. So, Sasha, yeah, get out on the table, practice some more, try those uh, tips that Alice has mentioned, and let us know how you go. Thanks for the question. All right. Well, that wraps up show 159. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Make sure you visit our website, pingskills.com. Um, sign up for our free newsletter if you haven't. We send out weekly tips to help you improve your table tennis. Lots of other good information on the website too. So check it out, pingskills.com. And uh, thank you, Alois. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. And um, I must say, it's really nice when, when I'm travelling to different places to uh, to meet all the pingskillers around the world. Um, in Thailand, you know, there were... There were players from Thailand and also um, Eric from the US, who I also met in Spain. Um, I was able to catch up with him again. Um, so, yeah, great to, uh, great to meet all the ping skillers from all the wonderful countries around the world when, uh, when we get a chance to travel. So if you ever see us around, make sure you come up and say hi. Brilliant. All right. Thanks, everybody, and we'll catch you again tomorrow. See us. Bye.